HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Open Table is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. For more information, visit their blog, Open for Business, at openforbusiness.opentable.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 18th. This is the 106th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests can be considered one of the trailblazers of the modern food festival model as it exists today. I will introduce him in a moment. First, as we do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to follow through on your vision. Oftentimes, we think of great ideas, but don't carry them through. Yes, it may be scary to start something different, but taking risks can lead to wonderful things and be game changers. So the next time you come up with a new concept that you believe in, go for it and take action to make it a reality. That is my tip today. Now I'm very excited to have my guest here. It is Herb Carlitz. He is the CEO and founder of Carlitz & Company, lifestyle influencers and tastemakers that create event experiences. Herb discovered early on that connecting celebrity chefs to brands had the potential to create unique festivals and memorable corporate entertainment opportunities. His company has produced globally recognized events, including Flavor Napa Valley, The Chocolate Show, The Breeders' Cup, the NYC Wine and Food Festival, and more. Along with Chef Marcus Samuelson, Herb co-founded Harlem Eat Up, a four-day festival celebrating the food and culture of Harlem. It kicks off with a party I know tonight and some dinners, and it's their second annual one. And welcome, Herb. Thank you, Sherry. Happy to be here. Yes. Happy. Uh, I like your PR tip, by the way. Thank you. I just add that with that vision is passion, because the passion's the battery 
to get you to the vision. You definitely need passion, vision, and I agree. Sure. Yes. Well, I, I, I feel I do think about my guests when I come up with tips, and I feel you do have passion and vision. So there was there was a little of you in that when I when thank I you. when I thank came you. up with it. So. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for coming out here. I know you have a busy, busy day and weekend coming up with, with Harlem Eat Up. Before we dive totally into that, let's let's back up and start with your background and how you got into the culinary industry. Like, what what motivated you? What was what was the direction you started in? I actually started in your business in public relations. Oh, I was working for a large PR agency, Bursa Marsteller, where I was for okay. fourteen years doing a lot of boring things, but then sort of uh, evolved into entertainment marketing, where I was involved in music sponsorships and doing big events with lots of different celebrities and performers. But my passions were around food, wine, cooking, and I just felt that that was entertainment, that people were entertained to either go out and, and, and share a good meal, and that chefs were just other kinds of performing artists except you know their palate was on a plate very true so around when was this that you had this vision like 1990 okay i I was involved in the very first remember this it was 1994 south beach wine and food festival and we launched that with my with my friend chef gordon and we had 36 chefs behind tables including roger verger who some may know some may not know but other names like Emeril Lagasse, who nobody knew. He was, he was there just starting on Food Network, and nobody knew who he was, next to Charlie Trotter and others. And I remember the guy with the biggest line was a guy with a rib truck from Atlanta. So it tells you what we knew. But in, you know, in those days, there were no celebrity chefs. And, and I, I say, you know, back then, the, the best ones were happy to be called cooks. And uh, there was only Chef Boyardee. Think about it. <laughs> And, and when you think of Emerald, Emerald really helped to pave the way with television because television is just such the changer, the game changer that makes somebody a celebrity. Absolutely. I mean, the, from the beginning days of the Food Network with Emerald, sure, of course. he was the one with the entertainment factor, with the BAM. He put, him the, on the map, yeah. he put him on the map, and he made it entertaining. It wasn't about exactly what was the recipe and how much of this or that. If you really wanted to delve that deeply, you could find out. Um, but he wanted to entertain you. He wanted to get you interested, as any good teacher should do. True. So how did so how did you then like turn this more into a career working with chefs? Well, I'd like to say that while I'm proud to say we've worked with just about every relevant chef across the country, probably around the world in some way, we work with companies that help them in in their businesses uh, of. of building and getting new customers and give you the ones they have by using culinary platforms where they can build and make new relationships and and it could be dinners it could be wine tastings we've done this for many clients in the financial services industry other industries and that just led to creating more and more special events from more festivals because chefs trusted us to doing tons of related uh culinary events from the relay and chateau awards to the michelin awards to um, the Breeders' Cup, as you mentioned, which, you know, Bobby Flay, Bobby got us involved in that, and Bobby races horses. And one year, the Breeders' Cup, the Breeders' Cup, just for those who don't know, is, is the richest race in horse racing and also the third most televised event, sporting event, because it's the 16 countries that race their horses. And they'd spent a lot of money on a, on a singer 
to entertain about 1,200 VIPs who had flown in from all over the world. And nothing's more subjective than music. And by the, like the second song, people were, were leaving because you had countries of Saudi Arabia, South Africa, and people were like, what's this guy with a cowboy hat running around a stage? And Bobby was the one who said, um, the only common, de- common denominator is food. And we should bring either chefs from the different countries to cook a special dish, or we get celebrity chefs to cook dishes from the different. And that's what we've done now for five years. And it's the big. It's what people look forward to. That and that and maybe in a couple, an occasional race. You know, I really want to go. I've never. Well, I've never been to a, like a, a race like the like the Breeders' Cup. I oh, mean, it's I've a scene. Been it's an horse track before, but it's an event. It's an yes. event. In fact, the races, the, of course, the final race is always a, a, a huge deal, and there are the diehards. But it's like so much the scene. Oh yeah, and dressing up. And dressing up, and we did a whole taste of Napa Valley there, and um, we brought a whole bunch of celebrity chefs. Yes, I'm friends with Joy Boone, who works Uh-oh. for you at Carlos sure, Company. Sure, of course. And Joy, I know as as I've 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 learned some details through you know being her friend and having dinners and talking about you know I mean that's a lot. To, I mean she works on you know bringing in the chefs to, that get involved and all that details in event planning. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we just went over a list yesterday on potential chefs and with Gunter Seeger opening New York. I said you know wouldn't he be a good choice for Germany? Oh, yeah. You know, so it's fun. It's creative. And I feel incredibly lucky because those are my passions. I love to cook. Um, I love to eat out. I drink a lot of wine. I collect a lot of wine. And it's become entertainment. So, you know, and I've been doing this. We've, I figured out that the very first event, give or take, was around 1995 with a, a great friend and someone I'm sure you know really well, Michael LaMonaco. And it was up at Windows of the World. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that and, was great. And we, and we did a special event. Remember, there was a special fancier restaurant in Windows of the World called Something Blue. Wow, something Blue. Yeah. It's we, come... d- we did something with him, and then we also did a series of wine tastings with Robert Parker. And it really was the beginning of, of, of people would buy tickets to come to it, like you would be going to a show or a movie. So when you say we did this, like I know from Michael Lamonico as the chef, he's the one cooking the food. So you're not cooking the food. What what's your role like in in creating these events? You know, one of the trailblazers on the corporate side for doing this and creating those special those special experiences has been American Express has been a client of ours forever, and um, they created their whole by invitation only uh, only program, which is all about exclusive access and experiences. So we're sort of that, we're that engine behind the scenes that helps to concept what those experiences might be and then putting together all the moving pieces. And, um, and we do it for them and others. So then we would call up a Michael and say, hey, what do you think of this? We think it's kind of cool. And, and really the, the, what goes into it is, is you sitting back and saying, hey, would you think it's cool? You know, is this something you would go to? And if you think too hard about it and it takes too long, probably not a good idea. But um, it's, it's great because you can, you can delve into what are the newest and hottest places they're about to open or um, what I saw you at last week, which was the pop-up, the two-day pop-up with our friends from La Caravelle. That's my Rita solo dining Jay-Jay. experience later in the show. I'm going to talk oh, all really? about it. Yeah, yeah that was it amazing. was phenomenal. That's an experience. That was mm-hmm. exclusive. That was special. And look at all the culinary royalty that you know, walked into that room over, over the course of two nights. <laughs> um, I was so happy for them. I actually am talking to them about wanting to replicate that. So oh. Stay tuned. We will we'll see. But I think that's terrific. I mean, we're constantly 
getting invitations to go to the latest opening of this or that. And then there are a million great restaurants. Pasquale Jones is one of my favorites at the moment. Um, I did solo dining there. I do solo dining at all the, 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 the trendy new places. <laughs> well, that's a great place to do it because there's the whole bar. Plus, yeah. you know everybody. It is. It's, it's a good so bar. It's so easy. For... It's very mm-hmm. user-friendly. But there's something about that, that throwback to the classics that I just you know, love. And always everybody's asking me, what's the latest place? Or where? And I'm saying, why do you always want to go to the latest place? Why do you want to go to something that's just two days old? Let, fi- let them figure it out for a while first. Yeah, I've actually... Oh, publicly make this announcement, like given myself my own, my own, I guess, mission in a sense to try to go back now to places that I haven't been to recently. Sure. Maybe I was there five years ago, eight years ago, because I'm, I'm usually going to all the new places and, and once and not revisiting. And I think it's important to go back and support and, and enjoy these fabulous restaurants. Too many restaurants, not enough nights. <laughs> yeah, that is that is my problem, our problem. Mm-hmm. So when you're planning these events, so so how far out do you start with things like the Breeders' Cup? And, you know, what what are all the details besides, I mean, you're bringing in the chefs, you're flying them, you know, from around the world to get to get to these events a lot of times, I'm assuming? We are. In fact, for, for Breeders' last year, which was in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, real horse country. Um, Haven't been there. It's worth the trip. There's some great restaurants. It's, it's, yeah. it's a great experience. Um, we actually approached the Breeders' Cup uh, private airline sponsor, Sentient Jet, who had been a client of, of Carlitz's, and we got them to agree to wrap a plane, calling it the Taste of the World, and we put all the chefs on the plane out of New York, from Francois Payard to Marcus representing South Africa, um, um, uh, obviously Francois representing France, Aaron Sanchez representing South America, and we had a ball on the fl- on the plane. And uh, the Today Show covered it when we landed. And Bobby m- greeted us all, um, and it was a, it was a great event. It was more than just uh, another catered affair, if you will. And you should see yeah. Aaron and Marcus in cowboy hats. Yeah, I, I saw a few pictures you posted yeah. online, so it looked like a lot of fun. How many people are part of your team at Carlitz? There are uh, between 18 and 20 full-time people. And then really? An equal, wow. Equal number of, if not more, freelancers who come yeah. on and we give the majority of their work to, to work on various projects, just hands-on. And then there's a little project like Harlem Meetup that takes a year to prepare for and has over a thousand volunteers and more than a hundred and fifty people working on it. With, Amazing. You know, with a lot, a lot of moving parts. And yeah, the kickoff party is tonight, but there have already been a handful of special events around the you know, leading up to this. And um, it's very, very exciting. But, but challenging. And you know what? It'll come Monday and it'll be over. And we'll already be thinking about next year. It's just it's just the way the way it is in the event that, business. That is one thing with events where I you know people event producers and you work you work very hard all year long on an event and I mean I mean you have four days of this one coming up to that it will be going on and celebrating but so many times it just feels like it comes and goes so quickly um, but that that's the event experience so and and as long as it's a memorable one then it does last in that. That's you know, what it's forever. about. They, we want everyone to have a great time. Mm-hmm. If we're doing a corporate event, it's about our clients, customers having a great time, remembering something special about the evening. 
We say that's really where that's what luxury marketing is to be able to tell a conversation, tell a story about something. Anybody can go to dinner somewhere, but can they have a special experience where the chef is coming out or it's a special meal or they're getting a tour of wine cellar, a tour of the kitchen? Um, so we try to add some tweaks to it to, to give it that little something special extra that people will remember because that's what they're really saying thanks to, whether it's for the company or in our case with any of our festivals, including Harlem. We want just people to have a great time and enjoy, and it's all about that customer experience. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk more with Herb and about Harlem Eat Up. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network. Open Table is home to the world's largest dining network, seating over 17 million diners every month. Their technology solutions help restaurants run and grow their businesses. That means providing memorable hospitality to every guest, streamlining front-of-house operations, and optimizing seating to seat more diners and drive more business. Chefs, restaurateurs, and other industry professionals can find more tips and best practices for running a successful restaurant on their blog, Open for Business, at openforbusiness.opentable.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Herb Carlitz, the CEO and founder of Carlitz & Company, the co-founder of Harlem Eat Up, and apparently the maker of the best chopped liver and applesauce in the land that he has now put on the table in front of me, and I'm going to try and eat and, and talk at the same time. And I don't share it with everybody. I know. That's what you said. The aromas are, are, are coming around the whole studio. It smells delicious. So thank you. I'm, I'm honored My you brought pleasure. me your, it, your specialty. It's a conversation. It's now something where you're going to have a little... What do you remember best about my interview? It's going to be that I brought you apple liver and applesauce, right? <laughs> and all, my, all the and listeners of course, out there, too. And of course, Harlem Meet Up. But, yeah, but um, this could go back to my tip being that if you have a great idea and that you have to follow through, you may have to follow through and like have your own line of chopped liver. I've been asked. I have. <laughs> I have been approached. You know, and, and there's a story, too. Um, um, I, it reminds me of my, of my mom when she was alive, and, and I've just taken some of her basic recipes to another level, but it makes me feel good, and that's what, that's what it should be. And if I can put a smile on your face with a little chopped liver on a Ritz cracker, hey, I'm ahead of the game. Well, it really, really smells delicious. I'm going to try and figure out how I can eat and talk or maybe just wait for well, the break. That's all right. Um, let's talk about Harlem Eat Up. Great topic. How did you Great come event. up with, with this, this concept that launched last year, the second one this weekend? Um, at about three in the morning, maybe three sheets to the wind, at an after party at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival three years ago, me and my dear, dear friend Marcus Samuelson, were, um, we just looked at each other and we just said, it's time. And that, I remember, those were the words, it's time. And he knew what I meant. He was established now a little bit in, in, in Harlem. 
Red Rooster was secure. He was going to expand beyond that, which which he's done, which I'm also a, a partner with him in Streetbird. And he really had his footing. And he supports the community so much. I call him the unofficial mayor of Harlem. And I said, it's time, it's time to shine a spotlight on Harlem. I had grown up in Brooklyn, but I spend a lot of time in Harlem, actually. And I have some dear friends there also. And I see Harlem as just about 10 years behind Brooklyn and where it's going. And it's, it's obviously, with all the ru- every week there's more, another restaurant that's opening. And Harlem has a ton of events that happen throughout the year. But they're for, they're for the Harlemites who are there. What we decided to do, and here's where it's back to the marketing. And it's back to what are you trying to accomplish, which is all these events that we're talking about is great, but what, what's, the, what's the problem that you're trying to solve for? And in this case, it was how do you bring people to come up to Harlem who've never been to Harlem? How do you put Harlem on this world culinary stage that is also so much more than culinary with the arts and music and the people? Mark has had a piece about a year ago in the New York Times that he was talking about, here he was, and he, he says he's the, he's the chef mutt, you know, born in Ethiopia, then raised in Sweden, and then tr- in working in France, and now here. And um, he was just met with such hospitality when he came here, and everybody in Harlem just welcomed him with open arms, and they're always smiling. And um, I've ex- so experienced the same thing, going to a restaurant, they just can't wait to feed you or give you something. And they've been so appreciative with what we've done. So... Eat up was the was see those in the inner circle can just call it eat up. Yeah, eat up. I, and yeah. you are see, in the, you yeah. are very much in that inner circle. And, <laughs> and 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 what we've done is we've taken the celebrated chefs in Harlem, of which there are many, more than forty, and you had the icons like Trinez Woods from Sylvia's, and I call her the Queen of Harlem, Melba Wilson okay. from Melba's, mm-hmm. and and then you have like Tanichi from Mountain Bird. That that's relatively new, which is amazing. Or Trot Wally, the new Indian restaurant up there, and then a whole bunch in between. And we're 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 pairing them up with established nationals, if you will, celebrity chefs, from a Bobby Flay to a Daniel Ballou. Who um, chef? We we handpicked the chefs. I mean, we we actually turned down a ton of chefs. The chefs had to have some relation to what we were doing. They had to love the music. They had to love Harlem. Some chefs live in Harlem. Daniel Ballou was French, loves listening to French rap music on his iPhone, and he's also the chef chair of, of City Meals on Wheels, which is one of our charities. So Daniel was all over it, and he said, I just had the best experience last year. We had him cooking in a nursing home up in Harlem, um, which we had you know, tent- tented and draped uh, for the Aetna sponsor, sponsor, and it was just, it was just so amazing. And this year, we're just expanding it, and... It's really, there's something for everyone. So there are these special dinners going on. Uh, most of them are Friday night. There are some other dinners happening tonight and tomorrow night uh, with some of the sponsors. And then there are a whole bunch of special public dinners that are collaborations, such as at Blue Jean is a great example. And Justin Smiley from Upland mm-hmm. is the guest chef there. Nice. It's just great. You know, it's just a great package. Um, and then over the weekend is, I guess, the ten pole event in terms of just numbers, where we predict uh, having an excess of at least ten thousand people uh, in Mountain in uh, Mountainside Park, mm-hmm. where Morningside Park, Morningside Park, where half the park is is open in all free activities, which is unheard of. I mean, I've done more food and wine festivals, I think, than most, 
and there's 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 rarely an area that's like free for family because the liquor and the pouring and all of that. So we we have fenced that off, and there is of course a ticketed area where there'll be a lot of restaurants and a lot of uh, liquor and spirits and, and beer and wine being poured. But then there's a whole family area with where all the celebrity chef demos are with Emerald and, other, and just people can walk in and there'll be food and there'll be exhibitors and um, there's a whole kid zone for kids. Amazing. So between the free area is where the, the chef demos is going yeah, on? Yeah. Oh, wow. You don't even need to have bought a ticket to see these chef demos. And I think the first one is with Emerald uh, on Saturday. Um, and they're, they're spaced out, and there's DJs, and there's music, there's music stages. And um, there's really something for everyone. Uh, Morningside Park is a, is a public park, so we wanted to respect that and not keep people out, but in fact invite them to come in and be part of uh, a great experience. So you can graze. And that's why we don't call it like a grand tasting, which so many, so many of these festivals have. We call it the stroll, which is like this Harlem, you stroll. I like that. And, I think it has such a nice ring to it, and it makes sense, too. And the taste side is where, all, where a lot of the restaurants are mm-hmm. and the wines and the spirits. And then there's the market side where there is all everything happening, where people can just come in and, and hang out and enjoy. I'm I'm going to get up to Harlem this weekend and stroll and um, yeah, it's um, I think it's I think it's great. I've seen the development happening with restaurants and I've frequented frequented places up there. You have JJ Johnson too with the oh, Cecil, JJ, sure. who's amazing, and and Marcus. I, I mean, Marcus is incredible, and he's always been the most dapper dresser in the whole industry. So, you know, he, 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 <laughs> and, he is great. He is great. He's um, we also have the newest, the, the youngest. Celebrity chef uh, joining this year's festival, uh, Mr. Corey, who grew up in Harlem. He's 11 years old. Oh, wow. And very dapper. Very Another. dapper. In fact, Marcus looks at him and goes, oh, where did you get those? Marcus does. Marcus, yeah, they, they're, quite, they're quite the team. I can't. And um, he's, so, he's so cute. And he'll be there uh, making his cookies. And, in fact, he's also in the, free, in the market part where he'll be selling his cookies. And he's also, for our sponsor, Aetna, hosting the, uh, the Kid Zone, where they're going to be decorating and baking some cookies. Very nice. Let me ask you my question I had from last week. So on episode 105, Katie Parla, she's a Rome-based food and beverage educator and journalist, and she has her new book out, Tasting Rome. So her question for you is, well, she really wishes that she could be at Harlem Eat-Up, but she can't. So she wants to know, how would you suggest a visitor enjoy the culture of Harlem and its food after the event closes? Like, how can you bring the event to one's everyday experiences? You know, it's interesting. I was in, in Rome about less than a year ago, and Katie sent me to some restaurants. Oh, really? And she was, all about, the, she was all about the experience. <laughs> she sent me, to the, at the moment, the best pizza happening in Rome. And it's a baker. It reminded me of, 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 of uh, Co. on 9th Avenue. Okay. Bakery background, bread. And um, it was great. You know, over there, they cut the pizza with, like, a scissor. You know, like, they don't have one Right, of those. right. And... Um, Defara so here does Defara that. Defara does that? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I noticed that with all of her recommendations, it was about authenticity. It was about a sense of place. And, and it, yeah, I didn't want to go to touristy places. So if she couple of things i could either if she, when she comes here i'd love to reciprocate and take her to old harlem like to a melba but it's telling a story 
or we'll, we'll, well, it's a little, it's a little heavy FedEx to send stuff over to Rome. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But you know, it, when you visit some places, I always say the best restaurants are those that have souls. And for example, if you're in Charles's Southern Fried Chicken, is it the best chicken you ever had in your life? Probably not. But it's like saying, so a, a pina colada, if it's not on the beach in Puerto Rico, is it is good? But at that moment, when you're in Charles's and you're having that fried chicken, it's the best. And there's a story, and his big black cast iron pan that's like three feet in diameter. It's all part of a story and how he started. And I would, I would tell her to come, leave, put herself in my hands whenever she comes. Okay. And I would take her to places like that that have a story to tell in Harlem. Take her to old Harlem, not necessarily the new Harlem. Yeah, well, and I'd love to come along. <laughs> you are invited. Well, it sounds great. What? So what do you love most about working in this culinary industry and doing events and working with chefs? Is there I, I something? Think, um, I find chefs some of the most generous people mm-hmm. in the world. They love, they really, they really get what hospitality is. That's why they're in this mm-hmm. business. Um, they're so generous. They're, you know, most people just don't, realize that they're asked every day for something on a weekly basis <laughs> a to do this. Oh, you know, I, a lot of asks. And at some point you have to draw a line. But what they do, and, and not even about the giving of the food, their time themselves, they're just constantly putting smiles on people's faces. And um, I respect that. Uh, back to where my parents were alive, they owned restaurants, which is probably where my passion comes oh, from. okay. And my father well, fired family. me from, from, a, from the restaurant because I was too young, and I treated everybody like they were my best friends, so I was giving away all the profits, he would say. I would make the sandwiches too big or this or whatever. But it was, it was um, it's, it's just that feeling of giving. So I like, I like everyone that I'm fortunate enough to work with in the industry and I love that every day is a different day and it's a different project or you know and and of course very gratifying that after the just this kernel of an idea from three three in the morning three years ago in South Beach that then Marcus and I a three months later wind up in a press conference with Bill Clinton and who's our official ambassador for the festival yes I'm glad you mentioned that he's our, well he's yes. he lo- in, in fact um well, he, he's very much, he loves Harlem, you know, he, and his offices are in Harlem, which is why he supports it. And um, there we were doing a press conference and also with Mayor de Blasio. And I looked at Marcus and I said, OK, there's no turning back. We're really doing this. And we we're in front of a bank of television cameras and reporters. And the story was carried everywhere internationally. And then, you, you know, and then fast forward a year later and you see 8,500 people walk through you know, the, the, that front entrance there into Morningside Park to be mm-hmm. part of your vision. You had this idea. So how do you kind of make it work? And then you actually men, then do it. That's like the ultimate yeah. full circle. It is. And it's also a great example of, of for people to know of why you and I go to all these food and wine festivals. Because things do come out of them. It's not just fun and games, but it's like it's a different sort of... Um, Work, networking, ideas, collaboration. I don't know. It is fun. It's but all of I that. Think, I is, think things sure. come out of out of the social networking we do. Well, you know, someone once said that the best way to, for people to get to know each other is to break bread together and you build relationships. Mm-hmm. And so much of what we do on the corporate side is creating those environments 
where customers can meet other customers and build relationships. What's a date? A date is the, is the non-corporate way where people get to know each other and go out and have a good time. Um, a festival's just a bigger version of that. It's all about building relationships over good food and wine. It doesn't have to be expensive. Um, it's not all about caviar and, and fine champagnes. You can Some of my most memorable experiences can be a barbecue it could be something just so simple yes and oftentimes simpler is better yes and it could be chopped liver which i'm going to dive into right now as we take a break we're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk some industry news so stay with us this is all in the industry on heritage radio network back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Herb Carlitz. We're having a chopped liver party. It's delicious. Thank you, Herb, for bringing me. My pleasure. And You're now part of that my, inner circle, my chopped yes. liver inner circle. And my, my fabulous engineers also. We're all, we're all enjoying it. So thank you so much. It's time for my speed round game. Okay. <laughs> well, you've been looking forward to all day, I'm sure. Okay. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple of things, either or a situation. You just pick your preference. Okay. It's easy. Here we go. Eat in or eat out. Oh, I have to pick one. In the game you do. You do. Okay. In life, okay. not really, but in, in the life. game. Yeah. Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates? With an extra dish. An extra dish? Meaning I may make my own little version of a tasty menu. Oh. Okay. Add another extra dish in there, that's all. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. Sorry to have exceptions, but you okay. Can, there are no rules. Okay. And I love that everyone that plays the game plays it a little differently, so it's all awesome. Right. <laughs> How about um, small plates or large plates? 
I think large plates. Yeah, large plates. I don't like daintiness. Mm-hmm. And I know it's sometimes important, but I think there's almost now too much emphasis being put on the presentation, almost to overkill. And a bigger the, plate is fine. The presentation of small plates, or are you thinking the, the, presentation the, the, of... Overall, a presentation that it's going to be a morsel, and it's gone, yeah. and it's 10 minutes later before the next dish, and I just wasted that plate. Maybe it's the Brooklyn to me, but it's just like a lot of waste going on with right. it, with dirtying up a, pl- a very good plate over one little thing. and No, big plates. Big okay, plates. big plates. How about communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Celebrities or celebrity chefs? Is there a difference? No. (laughs) No. 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 Um, No. It's all relative. Okay. Walk around tasting or sit down dinner for events? Sit down dinner. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan um, or Brooklyn? Ooh. Um, just from a, a utilitarian standpoint, I'm going to say Manhattan, but I do love Brooklyn. I just don't get there as much as I used to. Yeah. I hear you. You're good. You're good at the game. That's it. Plus Manhattan. Harlem's in Manhattan, so to speak. Yeah, so. I, I thought... And I'm up there a lot, so, I, you know... You have very good reasons for your answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so industry news. There wasn't that much major happening this week, but I did pick up the story about the major food group. So the New York Times wrote an article today called A Little Old, A Little New for the Four Seasons. It was by Jeff Gordonier. It's talking about how the major food group is taking over the four seasons. This is Jeff Selaznick and chefs sure. Mario Carbone and, and Rich, Rich Tracy. And so they were talking about the changes they were they were going to be implementing and, and not implementing. Um, did you did you read this? Do you see this? Yeah, I, d- I did. I had seen it. Um, you know, I think if anybody can change it, they're they're probably one of, of of less than a handful that I think can adapt and not and look at it. As I understand, they're they're just really scrutinizing and doing their real due mm-hmm. diligence around the front room and the back, the, what was the pool room and the bar room, and um, really trying to create, I hope they don't try to please everyone too much, because then it winds up being a lot of, a little too broad, but I think whenever a place with, that has such a following closes that there's some sadness, people don't like change, first of all, for the most part. True. Um, but I think if at the end of the day, if what they, if the product they put forth is good and people like it and find the value and value can be really broad. It's not just the money thing, especially in that neighborhood. Um, then I think they'll be successful and I think they'll show tremendous, I love the fact that they're trying to show, show respect Mm -hmm. and a precedent at least half the place. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, they laid it out basically that the grill room was going to be a little more masculine, a little more old school and traditional. And, uh, 
that that would be more run by Mario Carbone. And then the pool room was going to be a little more feminine and more new dishes. And it was interesting. I was on Twitter and seeing people comment on this between the masculine and the feminine. And people were kind of like, really, is this what they're doing? But I think they're looking to embrace the 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 future and the past i think by by trying to do both i mean that was kind of the my take on on and i also i also think they're trying to continue what what um tom julian you know created where that bar room for lunch was mostly guys for the most part Mm -hmm. so i get that power lunch um and 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 dinner in the pool room was more festive celebrations tourists um, special occasions, more, more, not as much mail, if you will, more dates. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. So I think they actually would have been a little off the mark if they had reversed it, and maybe, <laughs> maybe if they could rewrite that press release, maybe they would have called it masculine and feminine because that just already gets people's defenses up. But I think it's very, it's being very respectful to yes. to what was there, and I think they're trying to make it very comfortable. For their new customers, and I assume most of the old Four Seasons customers will try it and give it a chance because it's convenient. At the end of the day, people are selfish in that respect. It's good. Out yes. of convenience, they will want to go there if it's convenient for them, and others are going to be very curious. And if they have a great experience, and I wish them the best. I think they are the most one of the, the most talented group out there in terms of the way they operate and the way they open. Yeah, they're very impressive. I wish them the best, too. I'm excited to see the changes. And one thing they noted, because it is a landmark building and it is so loved, just the design. I mean, they're not doing much, if anything, to the actual design from what I picked up, except um, updates on maybe, you know, furnishings. I I think as far as the structure, it's basically going to be the same. Well, again, they're showing respect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a landmark building. It's a beautiful place. Why would you rip it out? Why would you change that? Even if you had the money and you wanted to do that. I mean, for what? Why? Um, I agree with you, but I, you know, I mean, I feel sometimes people do, you know, change. Absolutely. They want their own, they they just want their own thing. They have their own set of lenses on. And this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And those who will embrace it will come, and that's who I want. Yes. Well, stay tuned. If all goes as planned, this will be open by the end of the year. We'll see if they they can make that happen. And wishing, you know, I'm excited for it. So me too. Me too. The other news I had, which is very sad news, that I, you know, just yeah, heartbreaking. To, the New York Times had how Telepan, the Upper West Side mainstay restaurant, has closed. Florence Fabricant wrote about it. And so this is Bill Teleban's restaurant that's been there for 10 years in the Upper West Side. And he basically was saying it just the, the you know, the, the small margins of that you deal with in operating a restaurant, um, you know, the costs were up and the revenue wasn't. And, you know, he, they couldn't cover the expenses, basically. And um, it was just sad. Uh, Bill is really, I think, one of the nicest you just took the word out of my mouth. I was going to say, Bill Telepan is one of the nicest and also most talented people in our business. Um, the Upper West Side is not an easy gig. The True. Upper West yeah. Side, it, it's you know, I, I think if anything, you, you think of you think of what his place was as more of an occasion restaurant, and I think that maybe if there was mm-hmm. had been a way to make it more broader for 
people to go more often. Plus, also, as he said, rising rents. Rents are crazy. It's very hard. I mean, that's looks what happened in Brooklyn. The, the landlords dro- drove people out of Manhattan to Brooklyn and now uh, up to Harlem and other places because of the rents. It just doesn't make sense anymore. But he is tremendous. I'm sure he has you know, something planned in store that he'll, he's going to do. I would predict it would maybe be more something more casual. Um, but it is sad because um, I actually was there uh, about six months ago. And the, the grace and elegance... Is just was just amazing, and he also, had, which is one of my soft spots, had an amazing wine cellar, and there's just such pride and passion that he personally has. Yes, well, knowing Bill and knowing, I, I'm sure there's there is something to come, and I, I look forward to For seeing sure. what it is. And um, yeah, it was just sad news, and I, I wish him the best. He's he is really really super nicest nicest man. Absolutely. So, um, and that's our news. So we're going to take one more break and come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at La Caravelle at the Chef's Club by Food and Wine. Here's the rundown. Location, 275 Mulberry Street in the Puck Building in New York City. The concept, for two days, one of New York's classic French restaurants, which closed in 2004, would be brought back to life with a unique dining experience. The host's La Caravelle's owners Rita and Andre Jamet and Chef's Club Dana Cowan. The chefs, La Caravelle chef alumni Tadashi Ono, Cyril Renaud, and Laurent Richard, along with Chef Club's Didier Elena and his team. So why did I go? Because I never had been to the original restaurant, and this was a once-in-a-lifetime experience to celebrate a historical restaurant and its deliciousness. My experience... So I was able to get an early reservation at one of the chef's counters, and it was perfect. I was presented with a beautiful menu, chose main dishes, and kept busy chatting with the chefs, the hosts, and the other guests in the room. There were many recognizable faces. Top culinary professionals were to be found all across the room, and amazing energy. Rita and Andre and Dana circulated the room. Dana also passed around a book for the Jamais um, to keep as a memento and her friends to sign. And it was a really magical evening. What did I get? So I went classic all the way. Now, I'm going to say the English names, even though the French ones sound much better, but my French, I'm going to butcher them if I do it in French. So in, in, uh, in my language, I had the layered smoked salmon and mango. The crab meat with fine herbs and herbs dressing and the pike 
dumplings with lobster cream sauce plus Grand Marnier souffle. They also gave us a goodie bag to go with a couple of treats, and there were some La Caravelle matches in there, which was a nice touch. My take, it was a grand dining experience. Each dish was perfectly prepared, and although French food can be heavy, nothing was. Everything was light and delicious. The scene, an industry crowd mixed with La Caravelle friends and loyalists. Perfect for celebrating a classic restaurant with some of the finest and warmest hosts in the business. Interesting tidbit, Rita and Andre owned La Caravelle for almost half of its 44-year history. Rita now owns La Caravelle Champagne, keeping the restaurant spirit alive with fantastic bubbly. Personal fun fact, I worked with Chef Renaud back in 2000 on his PR when he opened his restaurant Fleur de Sel, which is now sadly closed. The cost was $110, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Someone brings it back. Yes, I would. Thank you to Rita, Andre, Dana, Didier, and the whole team. Great job. Their website is chefsclub.com. And Herb was there that evening. <laughs> it was an amazing night. I had the mussel soup, the Billaby mussel. Oh, okay. That yeah. was amazing. But I had the pike, the uh, lobster the, dumplings yeah. as well. You know, I just wish they were still around and... There were more of those kinds of experiences because you're right; it wasn't heavy. It wasn't heavy, and um, it, it it could have. I mean, it's it sounds even a bit heavy, but it wasn't. But it was it was elegantly formal in a throwback mm-hmm. kind of way, which that audience wanted, and I thought that was cool. Um, including their original captain being there in his right. all of his tuxedo. Yes, that captain was terrific. Too. You know, and it was amazing. Um, great experience. Great time. Did you frequent or go to the original Le Caravelle? My parents took me. My parents took me a few times. Yeah, that was like in the days of of Lutece, mm-hmm. the Caravelle. Um, Capsudo Car- Frere was my client for many years, wow. which was back downtown. Yeah. Sure, that's when that's my only experience of having uh, Pike Quinelles before because they used to make them. They were so good. Yeah, they were so good. Yeah, just a, a great time and an era, and I was so happy for them. And you're right; it's just everybody. Just there was a lot of love in the room that night. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So next week, my guests are Andrew Steinthal and Chris Stang. They are the co-founders of The Infatuation, restaurant reviews for the people. Herb, can you ask Andrew and Chris a question? You know, I, I think I like what they do. And what I think makes them a little different is they write in a way that has the passion and the experiential, which is you know what I've been doing for forever, in terms of they just don't tell you if the meal is good. They tell you, is it? A, are you going on a date? Here's where you should go. You're going classic. Here's kind of where you should go. Mm-hmm. You want pizza? Here and sit here. Oh, this place is good, but it's too loud. So they really care about your experience, which means a lot to me. And um, I'd really like to know where they'd fall on chefs, on stubborn chefs, chefs who insist that the customer has to eat it their way and aren't open to any changes. Um, and I'm not just talking about somebody today and age who says, well, I can't eat gluten or I don't want something. Right. But let's just say it's a, a, a pasta dish. And at the end, they're just putting like a little scoop of ricotta cheese on top or something. You say, can you leave that scoop off? How, is that really going to upset the kitchen? Actually, it was in a situation where the chef said, no, there are no substitutions. That's... That's how the chef min, means for the chef for the dish to be. That's the way it is. So Which how I thought they it was feel extremely about it? Bugged me. Yeah, I would love yeah. to know where they fall in terms of how far to take 
how far to take that customer experience that the customers, that's not a question of being right. It's a question of making that customer happy. Um, I, re I remember Thomas Keller once saying to me that he welcomed a table of six where one person is a vegetarian, one's gluten-free, one has a nut allergy, one, and he went through a litany, two don't drink, he will make that, he, he, he's there to please. And it was all about creating that experience for every single person in that room. And even the person who doesn't drink would have a non-alcoholic beverage with each course, just like everyone else. And I think that's, you know, that's part of what hospitality is all about, but I don't want to prejudice what they think. Okay, well, but I, you know, but I, but I, I just out. sensed that. I just sensed that they yeah. really care about the experience. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to talk with them. Um, I think what they've created is is it's 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 amazing, and they're also the creators of Eats, the hashtag with the five E's, which is like beyond popular. So, um, thank you so much. Thank that, you. And, um, it's been really great having you on the show. Just come on up to Harlem Meet Up. And if anybody also, um, if, if anybody wants to volunteer and help out at Harlem Meet Up, that's great. You can go to the website, harlemmeetup.com and click on volunteers. Like I said at the beginning of this, it takes an army to put on this festival. We welcome all the help and we can get. And yes. stop by and say hello to me and Marcus. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've been talking to Herb Carlitz. He's the CEO and founder of Carlitz and & Company and the co-founder of Harlem Eatup. So he said the Harlem Eatup website is harlemeatup.com. His website is also carlitz.com. You can follow him on social media at Herb at Carlitz, at Carlitz underscore co, at Harlem Eatup, and the hashtag is at is hashtag Harlem Eatup as well. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Tune in next Wednesday, the 25th at 4 p.m. when I'm back with The Infatuation. Also, after my show, next Wednesday, I'm going to be teaching a class on PR at Journey. For more information, you can go to yourjourney.com. That's Journey with two E's. Many thanks to Pierre, my engineer, and David, my other engineer. I had two today. They're awesome. And thanks again to Herb. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be, I'll be back next week. And thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody gets low, but there ain't no reason to worry.